Not only is your function in life to fulfill your own potential, but to help fulfill the potentials of other people. And the beauty is to discover acts which contribute to your own good and to the common good. Give me one. What we're doing together. We are developing our own potential and we're trying to contribute some knowledge or understanding to the general population. That's the voice of Maury Schwartz, the Maury of Tuesdays with Maury, and I am Mitch Album, the author of that book, the person who sat alongside Maury during the final months of his life and took down the wisdom that he had to share which turned into the book Tuesdays with Maury, which has turned into a whole lot more than I ever figured it to be, and now has turned in 25 years later to this podcast, Tuesday People, and we're very glad to have you joining us here. Lisa Goitsch is alongside, as always, my producer and friend. Lisa, nice to see you. Always nice to see you, Mitch Album. We are picking up where we left off uh, last episode, which was a five-part blueprint that Maury had discuss with me one of our Tuesdays in becoming a more fulfilled human being. And at this difficult time where everybody is doing a lot of self-examination, whether it's over where we stand as a nation or where we stand vis-a-vis a disease, uh, a lot of people are spending time looking inward and saying, all right, well, who am I and what were my priorities before? What should my priorities be going forward? Do they need to change? Etc. Well, First of all, I think we always should change. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm always wary of people who say, well, you know, I, when I was younger, I did a lot of exploring change, but I, you know, I am who I am now, and, uh, and that's it, and I'm happy with that. I remember when uh, a famous quote when someone asked Mahatma Gandhi uh, about some, I don't know, policy that he had or stance that he had on something, and they said, well, that's different than what you said five or ten years ago. And he said, well, I would hope that I would grow over time since five or ten years ago and, and, and be smarter in my responses. And I think that's all of our hmm. obligation is to continue to grow no matter what age we are. We're never done. Uh, you can be 85 years old and, and, and embarking on a new journey of your life and, and, and a new fulfillment right up to the, the last moment that you have here on Earth. We should all be trying to find new ways to experience life and feel fulfilled, feel content. This isn't change for the sake of change. This isn't, okay, well, I've had strawberry and orange, and now I have to have blueberry. This is looking deeper into yourself and seeing if you can be the best person that you can be for others and that you want to be for yourself. So Maury laid out this five-part plan, and last week we, we didn't get a whole lot past number one because it was really, really big, number one. And, and so we were talking about awareness, being aware of who you are, what your predispositions might be, the things that you might automatically kind of like or dislike. Maybe they were passed on to you from your parents. Maybe it's a byproduct of where you grew up uh, or just a set way of thinking and look into that and see if there is something that can be done about that that can make you sensitive to other people. We talked a lot about awareness, a lot about awareness. There are other points in this uh, sort of five-part plan. Uh, if you recall, I'll read the, the uh, uh, or you know what, we'll just share the, the plan with everybody again. Here's what came after one. The first thing is 
that greater and greater awareness, which is a very complicated thing. I'll come back to that. That's what you want to develop. Two, you want to develop your full humanity. That, too, is a very complex thing. Three, you want to develop your fullest compassion. Four, you want to develop skills of a technical as well as aesthetic nature. And five, you want to develop a mind that grasps things in many different arenas and that sees the interconnections between things and sees things as a whole rather than a lot of separate parts. So, all right, number two, you want to develop your full humanity. Your full humanity. What does that mean? All right, well, to me, this is a very, very big question because a lot of us feel that to be our full humanity means to grow up, to get married, perhaps, to have children, to have a job, and to grow old. Maybe not do any harm, maybe along the way, give to charity a few times, that's it. That, to me, is a fine life, but it's not full humanity. It's not full humanity. Full humanity cannot be achieved unless it involves other people. Now, if you disagree with this, you're going to disagree with the rest of this segment. If you think, no, I'm Henry David Thoreau, I want to live at Walden Pond, I don't want to interact with anybody else, I'm just going to be good to nature and nothing, and that, that's fine, but it's not going to, I'm warning you right now, don't waste, don't waste the next 25 minutes. It just, it's just, <laughs> you, you, we're lost. The, the, the concept that goes here about humanity is that you are part of a larger humanity. And so when you achieve your own humanity, it means, ipso facto, you've got to interact with other people. If you are not helping or understanding other people, you're not being as fully human as you are. Because the humanity is something you share with everybody. Your likes, your family, your house, your job, that's something that you keep for yourself. Those are experiences you have on your own. Your humanity, you share with everyone else. We are all part of the family of man the human race. If you don't see it that way, there's no point on number two here. Listen to uh, Maury kind of echoed the same thing. Listen to this. We are so little evolved in this culture in terms of the positive aspect of one's humanity. That's what human being is unique about. They can observe their observations or their experiences. But for me, and this is the Buddhist idea, the most important thing in developing one to fully is compassion. So Maury is defining humanity and kind of going into number three at the same time, which was develop a sense of compassion simultaneously. Now, are you saying, well, he's rushing, he's, 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 he's merging two things, two points together to get to the end of the lecture faster? No. Humanity, by definition, if you are fully human and therefore being part of the human race, you're going to have compassion. It, it stands to figure because you're going to care about other human beings. If you care about other human right. beings, that is compassion, right? So if you see, these are very simple tests. If you see a, uh, 
a man in the street who's starving and you walk right past him, you are not showing as much compassion as you could. Now, I'm not here to tell you what you should and shouldn't do, but I can say you're not showing as much compassion as you could. That's undeniable because you could kneel down, talk to him. You could kneel down, offer him some help. You could kneel down and help him get some place to get something to eat. You could do a million other things. So if you're not doing any of those things, you're not being as fully human. You're not showing the compassion that you could show. And we're in, a, we're in an age now, and we're in a stage in, in the last month where people who are not African-American are being asked to, to display humanity and compassion for African-Americans. And if you find yourself resisting that, you are probably not looking at the situation as one of humanity, but rather looking at it as one of difference. They're not right. like me. They have a different set of cultural circumstances than me. They are interested in different things than me. They, 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 they follow a different path than me. All you're doing is pointing out your differences. You're not pointing out, okay, if we were all stripped of our skin and walked around in a biology class version of ourselves, we'd all look the same. You wouldn't right. be able to tell who was black and who was white. And if you realize that we're all born, we're all going to die, we all need to eat, we all love children, we all, all these things that we have in common, now you're focusing on your humanity. And if you do that, suddenly you're going to find compassion because you're yep. going to see the similarities, right, rather than the differences. Now, here's an important point about compassion, which is the number three thing. How do you develop compassion? You don't develop compassion simply by listening to a podcast, I can tell you that. You develop it over time, through practice, not just towards other people, but towards yourself. If you are unkind to yourself, if you are hard on yourself, relentless on yourself, you will not have compassion for other people because you need to have a certain amount of self-love in order to understand what it is to be compassionate. Maury recognized this very early on in the process. I asked him this question in 1995. Listen. How do you force yourself? Let's take a person who, who is not a compassionate person, hears what you're saying, and wants to try to become a compassionate person. What's an exercise that they can do, you know, a practical, that we live in such a practical society, everyone wants to know, well, what are the steps? Send me the video, you know, so I can... What would be a step that someone would take to do that? You start with yourself. Start with yourself. When you are beating on yourself. I should have done better. I didn't do enough. I wasn't smart enough. I didn't follow the right line. I don't know the right people. You keep beating on it. The first step is Try to be gentle with yourself. Don't beat yourself up for what you're lacking or what you did that you shouldn't have done. But say, hey, I got my vulnerabilities and I have to be nice to myself. Once you start with that, then you might move over to the next person. Look at them and say, hey, it's a fellow human being. It's like 
you know, some inanimate object that doesn't feel, they feel too. Do you see the logical path there? You develop compassion for yourself. You recognize your own shortcomings and you don't kill yourself over them. And then you can start to see the same in somebody else. Let's say, okay, uh, let's say you lose your temper with your children. And you say, oh, you know, that was terrible. I never should have done that. What's the matter with me? I'm a lousy parent. I should never have had children. Well, that's taking it too far. Mm-hmm. I mean, you pull back and you say, okay, in fairness to myself, the car broke down. I got a call that the bills were overdue. Uh, the air conditioning broke. The kids were screaming for an hour. Uh, and I just, it, it kind of built up and I just sort of lost it momentarily. But I'll know better for next time. I got to remember when I start seeing that stuff happen, maybe I don't take the kids out that day. Maybe I don't, you know, maybe we just rest at home for a little bit until I get myself back together, okay? Whatever the case is. Now, you've done that little exercise with yourself. Now you're out in the supermarket and you see a mother who is wailing on her kids, yelling at them or embarrassing them, maybe even hitting them in the, in the supermarket. If your first thought used to be, look at that lousy mother, you know, right. what a terrible parent. Well, now that you've gone through your own sort of little exercise, if you can say, well, you know what? I had a day like that. And I remember saying to myself, ooh, I just embarrassed myself terribly. If someone had seen me at that moment, I would be ashamed. Right. So maybe this woman, I'm just witnessing a moment that she wishes she could take back or she's going to have the same kind of epiphany. Maybe there's something I can say that will be compassionate, you know, instead of glaring, instead of giving her the evil eye. Maybe it's like, you know, you look at her and you say, I know, I've got kids too, some one of those days, right, or something like that. And maybe that just breaks through and makes the woman feel like, okay, someone else gets this. I'm not all alone in this mothering thing. That's right. a much better, humane, more compassionate way of approaching it than judging the other person. But it began with your compassion towards yourself. You see what I'm saying? Maury pointed out the difference between, because I remember saying to him, well, so does that mean you're just going to forgive yourself everything and you're just easy on yourself and all the rest? He said, no, not at all. Listen, Being self-critical doesn't mean you have to be punishing. Mm-hmm. They're two separate things. Sure, you want to know, what is it that I could have done which would have brought me what I wanted when I didn't get it? But you're not saying, you're a stupid asshole. You shouldn't have done that, you dummy. Well, you never had any brains anyway. There's a big difference between beating yourself up and having a detached, critical view of what went wrong. Mm-hmm. So I would say that that will make it easier for you to do it to another person. All right, moving on to number four. If you remember back, Maury said, you want to develop skills of a technical as well as aesthetic nature. So what that means in kind of fancy talk is... Yes, develop a, a, a skill, uh, a job, uh, something that can pay the bills, but also develop an aesthetic, something of an aesthetic nature, meaning appreciate the beauty of the world around you, whether that's through the form of art or the form of music or you like to paint, you like to dance, however you like to express yourself, 
uh, or you just like to take in beautiful scenery, you like to you know study animals, take in the world around you. Don't just live to work. Find the beauty in life. Now, this is a little bit more, I don't know, should we say, uh, hanging crystals type of thing. Uh, you know, maybe people feel it's new woo-woo. agey. Yeah, woo-woo. A little woo-woo-y. But I believe that there is validity in it because I do think that as a musician myself, as a writer myself, the times when I can sit and create or listen to music or sit and write or read fantastic books are some of the most enriching small moments of my of my life. And when I'm done, I have an appreciation for the world that I didn't have beforehand. Because if I listen to Mozart, if I listen to Charlie Parker, if I listen to Stevie Wonder, uh, you know, three artists that just pop to mind, I find that I come out of it saying, wow, look at the possibilities of this race that I'm a part of. I don't come out envious saying, why can't I write that stuff? I'm sure when I was younger and I wanted to be a musician, there was part of me that did. But I appreciate that there are people who can create this stuff, and I I just find myself happier and more fulfilled and feeling, this this is a great world that there are people in here that do this. Maybe there's another composer, another singer who I haven't found yet that I'm going to enjoy just as much as this. Let me keep looking. Let me play around. Let me check other music. Same thing when I read a great book. If I read a great book by an author that I didn't know before, and I finish and go, I love that, what's the first thing I do? What else did he write? What else did she write? I, I immediately like, give me more. So there's something that's, that's uplifting about appreciating art and aesthetics and, and, and the beauty of the world around you. And I, I do think it helps contribute to your feeling like a more fulfilled person, even though it isn't quite in the category of awareness or humanity or things like that. So it's important. Right. And finally, number five, you want to develop a mind that grasps things in many different arenas and sees the interconnections between things and sees things as a whole rather than a lot of separate parts. Now, that's a lot of words, but it's, it's really important to see that nothing exists in a vacuum. People don't exist in a vacuum. Circumstances are not in a vacuum. Things like poverty don't happen in a vacuum. If you can understand how it all fits together, you're going to be a more fulfilled human being because you're going to understand other human beings. So, for example, when people just look at what's going on today, let's take the case of, of George Floyd or uh, you know, and other African Americans with confrontations with the police— When you just look at those confrontations alone, in a vacuum, you might come out and say, well, in that particular case, the guy looked like a criminal, or he resisted arrest, or he had a record, or he had this, that. Why are people so upset over that? You're looking at it as a a total vacuum. You're looking at it as just this little microcosm case, two people involved, whatever. But when you realize the history, for example— if an African-American has a history, a society, a community has a history with the police that is distrustful, then when a police officer goes to put handcuffs on an African-American man, that may mean something different than it does to 
you, who may not be African-American, may be affluent, may have never had a run-in with the police before, and you trust them, and you say, well, all right, I don't know why I have to wear handcuffs, but if that's what they said. So it doesn't mean the same thing to you. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. send the same fright into you that it would for someone who has had more encounters or has heard stories about what happens to people who get arrested and then they're in the car and and suddenly they're bruised or suddenly, you know, they magically got beat up or so. So there's a fear factor. So again, this is a very small example of how you've got to take the whole picture into account. And when Maury says, a mind that grasps things in many different arenas and sees the interconnections between things, he's talking about understanding that when you come from poverty, your approach to things is going to be different. And someone might look at it as being in a hurry or being rude or being selfish, whatever, but if you understand the circumstances, the poverty from which a person came, you're going to be more forgiving and you're going to be more understanding. If someone comes from a broken family and has difficulty with relationships, if you're just judging them Mm -hmm. on why, you know, why is this person so contrary or why did they have a you know, they just don't say I love you or they just and you just take it only by what happened and not well. Okay, you know, their parents split up when they were 7 years old. Uh there was constant fighting between the two parents. They were yanking the child back and forth. They were forcing the child to say, you know, tell tell mommy that you love her and not daddy and all that. Well, then someone might develop a bit of a complex with the words I love you, mm-hmm. right? But if you don't take that into account, and you just judge people by their single actions, you're not going to understand them. Yeah, I think it's as simple, too, as just looking at life not through your own lens, because we always look at everybody else through our lens and our experience. And this is something I just recently learned when you talk about, you know, learning things and uh, later in life. Right. Um, you know, just look at other people and know that your, their life experience is not yours. And that affects everything else down the line. By the way, that's right. And then the way that people come together, that interconnectedness of everything is how you can appreciate the whole that we Mm -hmm. all come from different backgrounds, but we all are human and we all interact with one another. I wrote a book called The Five People You Meet in Heaven, which basically that was the entire concept of the book was this this man named Eddie dies after a life of being a maintenance worker at an amusement park. And he's convinced that. He's done nothing important in his life, nothing. And uh, nothing he's done matters. He's a nobody, he's never been anywhere, and he's never done nothing. And he dies and goes to heaven, and he meets these five people from his life, some of which he recognizes, some of which are total strangers, but each one shows him one moment on earth that he changed their life or they changed his, and, and neither one was the same. And when he realizes that a single interaction, in the case of one person, he barely knew him, and it took 20 seconds, but their lives were changed forever. There was an automobile accident that was caused that he wasn't even aware of that he caused. Uh, Then you realize the interconnectivity of it all. And ultimately, by the end, he realized, as I say towards the end of the book, that one life touches another and another touches the next. And, And there is no such thing as sort of living in a vacuum. And so that takes us all the way back around to awareness and humanity and all these things that Maury was talking about, that you recognize it on a micro level, you recognize it on a macro level, that we are 
part of a bigger thing here. It's bigger than just any one of us. It's bigger than just any one of our particular impressions or experiences. We are tied together even as we are apart. We are similar even as we are different. And we are all kind of roped together in a certain way, like people who climb a mountain and they're roped together. The rope is for security, correct? You pull the person behind you along because you are roped Mm -hmm. to them so you won't lose anybody. But that same Mm -hmm. rope, if exercised badly, that same rope can bring down the entire party, right? If someone in the back decides to do something crazy, silly, stupid, inconsiderate, and jumps, then that person's going to pull the person who's tethered ahead, pull the person who's tethered ahead, pull the person. So the same rope that connects us can lead to our doom or can lead to our ascent, right? Depending on where we Mm -hmm. put our efforts. We put our efforts all in getting better and climbing forward. We all climb together. And the weakest of us, the last person of us is pulled along with everyone else. If we decide, no, we're all going to go our own ways, then we're all going to yank each other off the mountain at the same time. And all of us, the lead dog, the back dog, the middle dog, we're all going to fail, right? This is the lesson of these five points of how to become fully human. So hopefully this all made some sense. If you listened to last week's segment and uh, this week's segment, we tie them together. You should have everything that Maury intended here. Uh, Here's his uh, final thoughts on this matter. It's very simple. If you're a person who lives in a community, you try to develop a community where people are helpful to each other. Instead of around here, nobody talks to anybody else. Mm-hmm. In an emergency, everybody comes out and helps. Why can't it be that way all the time? Right. Because we're so individualistic in our attitudes. And I'm suggesting that, that we have to change that drastically if we're going to survive. That's the common good. So those are good words to end this week on. Uh, we're so glad that you were able to spend a little time with us in the Tuesday People community. Please go to our Facebook and Instagram sites uh, and MitchAlbum.com if you want to find out more about my background or Tuesdays with Maury or the rest. Tuesday People, WeTuesdayPeople.com we on Tuesday the web. WeTuesdayPeople. WeTuesdayPeople, not just regular Tuesday People, it's we Tuesday People togetherness. <laughs> Uh, on the web to join any of our forums or engage in any of our discussions. And uh, until we see you next week, along with Lisa Goitz, this is Mitch Album wishing you a happy Tuesday until next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.